Well, it's so good to see so many of you waking up so early to enjoy the worship and to come to the house of God. You know, we just came back from uh, Ranaul just last weekend, and I, you know, I saw many of you on the video that you are also part of the, you know, the support group that when we were there, as we, you know, as we anchor the presence of God in that uh, town, Ranaul town, you were here, you know, supporting us and welcoming the presence of God. And, you know, the presence of God, when you pray, there is no distance. You know, as, as much as we were there and you were here, but when you raise up a hallelujah to the Lord, it just sing together and the power of God just flow in. We thank you for your support. You know, so much of, uh, you can see from the screen here, sorry, you can see from the screen here, you know, the crowd, we had about 12,000 people for the two days that came. And we want to give God praise because these 12,000 people that came, you know, when they go back into, you know, their kampong, their communities, the revival fire that started in their heart, there will be, you know, it will be continued to spread on. And that is more powerful. It's not just the 12,000 people that came and just feel good uh, rally because rally comes and go. Yeah, rally will come and go. But the most important is what was called and what is going to spread on to the kampong and communities. That is important. Secondly, what we saw was the ground preparation was fantastic. You know, the rally, it is, you know, is finished right now. But what settles into the heart of the local, it is, you know, the preparation work where they saw how God works through the rally, you know, the, uh, what you call the awesome presence of God in the place, and the miracles the weather that they say is going to rain, but there wasn't any rain. In fact, we have a cool breeze, better than the aircon that we had, you know? <laughs> Praise the Lord. And there are so many miracles that's happening during that time, and we want to thank God for that. But it is because of the preparation of the long hours of prayer here that when our team went over with the short prayer of hosting the presence of God in the, on the ground, it just brings down the glory to God. That everyone that comes into that place, their lives are transformed and they caught the spirit fire of the Lord. You know, the, most, the other area that is, I, I'm also glad to see, you know, these are the places that we went you know, to the strategic area to bless the ground where all the unholy altars or occultic centers are. And we thank you know, the team, the 175 of us were there, they are awesome people, you know. You know, when we serve together, that's where we can see the true colors of our people, yeah? And we saw the wonderful spirit. They are so united. They come together early in the morning. You know, they pray, they pray around, you know, the, uh, the field seven times for three days. They say, I was a taskmaster. But no, it was, you know, important. You know, we wanted to give the best to God. And indeed, we did. Uh, <clears throat> and you can see, we are marching around the field three, three days, seven times, you know, under the hot sun. Uh, but everybody enjoyed that moment of, you know, of uh, the visitation of God. And the most important, I find, this is very historic. For the first time in the history of SIB, not only SIBKL, but SIB, that we connected Sabah, Sarawak, and West Malaysia that we woke up, 6 a.m. sharp, we sounded 
the, show, the horn of the shofar, right? The sound of the shofar was sounded 6 a.m. And that is a clearing call to God to usher in the presence of God into Malaysia. And all that involves Sabah, Sarawak, and West Malaysia. And I believe that call that we make the effort and make the sacrifice to wake up early in the morning to do that is going to bring the revival that God has planned to come. Amen? Hallelujah. Let's give God praise. It was so good. Yeah, these are the climbers that went up to Mount KK. You can see that. Well, today, we are going to look at Matthew chapter 12. Now, you'll be thinking, because some of you that were here and you were, last week's message was in Matthew chapter 13. And you'll be wondering, you know, why we skipped that Matthew chapter 12. I, I believe it is God's divine moment, and I believe you have also enjoyed the messages on the Matthew 13, on the parables of the sower. Yeah, were you, were, were you blessed by the message last week? Yeah, praise the Lord. And I believe as this is the divine appointment that God has made for us, Pastor Chu and myself, uh, to share on this chapter 12, because of whatever happened in Ranao, the experiences, the encounter we have, we can, you know, uh, relate to chapter 12 as we, you know, as I shared with you this morning. Let's turn to your Bible, whatever version you have. Matthew chapter 12. Let's turn to the Bible. Matthew chapter 12. And we want to read together. Yeah, whatever version that you have, let us read it together. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Together, go. Then they brought him, a demon-possessed man, who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him, so that he could both talk and see. All the people were astonished and said, Could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, heard this it will only be Beelzebub, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives up demons. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be reigned, and every city or household divided against itself would not stand. If Satan drives up Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive up demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your people drive them out? So then, they will be your judges. But if I drive up demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdoms of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possession unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can rob his house. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Let's pray. We are so thankful, God, this morning as we look into your word. I pray that God let your word refresh every one of us here that in the name of Jesus of God, that this word is going a lot to bring life and a deeper and a stronger relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the key message, the key words of this message today that I want to look at is Matthew chapter 12, verse 30. That I love this, the message version Bible that read it this way. He says, this is war, and there's no neutral ground. If you're not on my side, you're the enemy. 
you are not helping, you are making things worse. But I got the title message from this verse, and I put it this, no neutral ground. Whose side are you on? There is no neutral ground. Whose side are you on? Why did Jesus say that? You know, the passage of this scripture that we have just read says that there are two forces at war over the decision of the people of this, of this world. And this war is not physical, but spiritual. Whether you are a Christian or you are a believer of another faith, or you say, I don't have any belief system in me. You know, but there is no neutral ground, Jesus says. Either you are on the Lord's side or on the enemy's side because the war that we are fighting is not physical or physical power, but it's spiritual power. But you may be saying, what is that to do with me? I don't care about all these spiritual things. You know, what it, you know, it, as long as it doesn't bother me, I don't bother them. You know, I just don't care about all this stuff. But yet Jesus mentioned here that we have just read. He says that you may ignore it. You may say that he has nothing to do with you. But Jesus says there is no neutral ground. He says that whether you are for him or you are against him, whether you are on Jesus' side or on the enemy's side. And either way, you have to make a choice. You have to make a choice whether to be on the Lord's side or on the enemy's side. There is no neutral ground at all. You know, the late C.S. Lewis said this. He concurred with this statement that in verse 30, he says there is no neutral ground in the universe. Every square inch, every split second is claimed by God and counterclaimed by Satan. C.S. Lewis nearly it and says that there is two factions at war in this world, which is spiritual, and we, there is no neutral ground at, it, at all. God is trying to do good to the world, but a Satan comes and to mess it and to do harm to the world. And you have to make a choice whether to come to the Lord's side or on the enemy's side. You know, there's a song that our children or some of our grandchildren are singing in the kids' zone that says, whose side are you leaning on? Do you know the song? Yeah, you know the song? Can we sing it together? Yeah, well, let's try it again. Let's try the song. Whose side are you leaning on? I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Come on. Whose side are you leaning on? I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Whose side are you leaning on? Sarin. I'm leaning on the Lord's side. Whose side are you leaning on? Sarin's here. Amen. Whose side? Whose side? All together, whole sign. Amen. You know, that is, you know, the, the two, your, your children and your grandchildren have been taught to be on the Lord's sign. So are you on the Lord's sign? In verse 30, it says that we are in war and this war is spiritual. It's not wrestled, it's not fought with flesh and blood, 
but with rulers of this air, with principalities and the dark forces of this world, and also the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms that is, you know, that we are in war with. So who is this enemy? As he said, it is the enemy of these dark forces of this world that is trying every tactic, every tactic that they can use to pull you away from God, to let you be lost all the time, that you can never come to the knowledge of this living God. You know, from the passage that we read just now, from verse 22 to 29, we can depict three tactics that the enemy is using against us. And these three tactics, I know that there's more than three tactics, but just we're going to do justice to these verses that we have just read, and we are going to draw out the three tactics that's here. He says the first tactic is spiritual blindness. Secondly, spiritual deception. Third, spiritual strongholds. The first tactic, and then we're also going to look at how do we overcome every of these tactics. The first Spiritual blindness. The first tactic of the enemy is spiritual blindness. As we are read from verse 22 to 23, it says, Some people brought the demon-possessed man who was blind and mute to Jesus, and Jesus healed him from the blindness to recovery of sight, from muteness, and now he can speak. And this man was also free from the demon, uh, demonic oppression, and that, this is a, you know, a miracle, a real miracle that, that never happened before in the land of Israel. And even if it happened here today, it's still a wonderful Ruah Biasa miracle because how can someone who was blind and deaf and demon-possessed at the instant when Jesus prayed, he was to, uh, totally, completely healed and delivered? He has to be God. And the people began to ask this question, is this man the son of David? Now today, physical healing is still happening. And the miracles that are happening are not surprising because Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse 12, that he says, whoever believes in me will do the same things that I've done. In fact, greater works shall you do because I go to the Father. So Jesus is suspecting all of us who believe, he says, whoever believes, that's you and I. It is not only the elders of the church, it's not only the leaders or the pastors that can pray that healing will take place. It is whoever who believes. Who believes in the Lord here today? You know, who believes in the Lord? You have the healing power that the Lord says that you have, that whoever believes in Him, you can exercise that prayer and, you know, and expect miracle to happen. You know, in, the, in Ranao, we have a wonderful healing team here. And some of them, it was their first time praying for people because most of the time they are prayed for. But this time when they're in Ranao, they're praying for someone. And uh, when they prayed, 295 sick people came. And out of the 295, 176 people were healed. Yeah? They were healed. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The blind see... The deaf hears, the, you know, the, uh, the, the person in stroke, you know, was able, you know, to walk. And uh, 
you know, the, the, what they call the tie rod that is big, it was, it was strung immediately in the front of their eyes. Wow, this is really miraculous and anointing of the power of God that's in, the, in, the, in, the, you know, in that place. And I believe, even as we believe this word, I want to believe that if God can do that, that wonderful work, that 60% of those people who were sick were healed, I believe God can do the work here today. You know, if any one of you are not well, I want you to raise one hand to the Lord and the other hand, just place it in, your, in the area that you're not well. Just do that and believe that God is going to touch you as I pray. Just raise up your hand wherever, you know, and then the other hand, just place it on the area that you're not well. Yeah, do it by faith and your faith, yeah, will bring the healing into your heart and your body. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you, God, for these hands that are raised. These are hands of faith that believes in you, God. Lord, we, re- Lord, we resonate with your word that you say that whoever believes in God, greater works shall we do. So in the name of Jesus right now, I pray for the healing power, anointing of the Lord to come upon the body, to come upon the body, that in the name of Jesus, be well, be removed all infirmities and sicknesses of the body. In the mighty name of Jesus, receive the breath of the Holy Spirit that brings forth healing in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I want you, you praise the Lord. You know, that is a site in SIBKL that you can go in to share your testimony. You know, go back and test the area that you are not well and see. Now, once you are healed, give praise to God and write into the testimony that our body of Christ can be, you know, blessed too. Now, for physical illness or uh, <clears throat> blindness, we are able to see the person's condition. But spiritual blindness, we can't see the person, what is he thinking, what is in his heart, what is troubling him, and what is causing the heart uh, to hurt, and uh, that needs inner healing, that needs counseling, and, and some needs to go through the guidance of deliverance. But the words that, uh, you know, that uh, we, we talk about here today is saying that whoever, yeah, that uh, spiritual blindness cannot be seen but it can be detected by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is spiritual blindness? Spiritual blindness is an inability to understand, perceive, or believe spiritual truth. Spiritual blindness equates to be in darkness under the authority of Satan who keeps you in blindness, living without knowing God. Well, I believe that there are two categories of this spiritual blindness. Number one, to those who are not Christians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 says, Satan, who is the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. They are unable to see the light of the gospel. They don't understand the message of God. The non-believers, they don't believe in Christ. They rejected the gospel and no understanding of who Jesus is and, and uh, through this word. And what happens, Satan wants to keep them that way, remain lost, that they will not be able to come near to God to receive the blessings of God. You know, some of us who, who, was, I mean, who are saved now, but in the, in the time when you were not saved, 
you were, you know, you're blinded. How were you blinded? When someone shared with you the gospel of Jesus Christ, you were offended. You know, your siblings may be sharing with you, your close friend may be sharing with you, and you were angry and you put your stand and says that if you tell me Jesus, the name Jesus again, I'm going to disconnect my relationship with you, I'm going to disassociate my friendship with you. Such was that anger that came. But today, you are a Christian, and you have suddenly your eyes begin to see how I wish I came to know Jesus much earlier. You know, why? Because the truth has come into your life, and the truth has set you free. Praise God if you are one of them. Praise God that today, not only you receive the word, I want to encourage you to share that word that you have received, the spiritual, you know, uh, lights down that you have, that the spiritual blindness is gone, that you can lead others who are blind to come to the, know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, secondly, uh, those who are Christians, yet, yet <clears throat> they are spiritually blind. How could that be, you ask? Now, this happened when believer is living in an unhealthy lifestyle or incapacitated by stronghold. You see, when we talk about stronghold, strongholds for the non-Christian, they are imprisoned. That means there's a fortress that the enemy would just surround them that they would not move out to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ, to come to the light. But for Christians who are believers of the Lord Jesus Christ, but when we are in, you know, the, under the stronghold, we are incapacitated. That is a standstill that we cannot move forward with the Lord. Now let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 to verse 4. It says, People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, pride, abusive, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, brutal, false accusers, not lovers of good, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. So, the, so Paul was writing about the bad behavior of people in the end time. Could it be where we are today? Are we in this time? There is a list of concern here that we just read. Yeah, there's a list of concern of, from these verses, but we are going to focus on the subject of unforgiving. Yeah, unforgiving. Now, unforgiving is a stronghold that the enemy used to imprison those who do not know God and incapacitated those who know God. Now, if, if you have been offended, and I believe you have reason to be, you know, some of us, we are offended, we are hurt by people, by leaders of the church, you know, by our family members, and that hurt is deep right in. And what happened? you'll find difficulty to forgive. you find that forgive those who hurt you. However, if you harbor unforgiveness, all that you have, that you learn all these years in the church, all these years, you know, the experiences that you have with God, and all the power of God's gifting that's in you, and the love for God, the faith in God, you find that it will leak away. There is a leakage happening. 
That is the power of unforgiving, for unforgiving spirits. Don't look at that. It is a small, you think it's a small thing, but it is big. The Lord is speaking to our hearts that many of us, you know, it is, we are easily hurt and offended because we don't like. We love ourselves. Anything that, something that we don't like, we take offense of it. And make it as a, this is a wake-up call for us that we have to deal with that. And that's why Jesus has made it very clear in the Lord's Prayer that we recite and we memorize. Even our children know how to say the Lord's Prayer. And in verse 12, what did God say? You know, God, forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. You know, but when the rubber hits the road, we find ourselves lamenting in our hearts and not able to rise up to forgive. And that weight of unforgiveness is so heavy. We have so many reasons and we shout, it is unfair, it is injustice that what I'm going through is not, you know, shouldn't happen, but the leaders make me so, the person make me so, and we harbor them. Now the words is very clear. Jesus is very clear to them. He says, as we have forgiven those who sinned against us, God will forgive our sins. We must make the first step because God has made His step. You know, it is not something that God, I'm doing it so that you can do it, but God said, I've already done it. I've already forgiven you. But the fact that, <clears throat> that you could not forgive someone that is, you know, withdrawing, that is hindering me to give you my full blessings of forgiveness. And the enemy knows that. As long as you do not forgive, he has the right, a legal right to come and bring trouble to you. So therefore, it says, our acts of worship and our sacrifices, if not preceded by acts of forgiveness, it is a waste of time and it's disgusting to God. We are not real. How can we say that we love God? The Bible says, and we hate our sisters or our brother that's even in the midst here today or in somewhere else that it could be. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, it says, If you're offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother or your sister has something against you, leave your gift behind at the altar. Go and reconcile with your brother or sisters and then come and offer your gift. You know, when I was a youth, there was an incident that, you know, I joined the mission team and we go for street witnessing. <clears throat> and there was a pastor in charge and, you know, she, she picked on me and made fun of me and that really, you know, I was really uh, hurt or offended and I held a grudge against her. You know, after the, you know, the session of, uh, of, the witness, of the street witnessing we did, we came to worship God. And I just cannot worship God, no matter how I try. But the thought of the grudges was so heavy, I could not even sing. You know, like singing out the tune, like you cannot lift up your hands. You cannot worship God. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and says, go, go 
and, and ask forgiveness from this sister or from the pastor that you are having a grudge with. You know, I was contending with the Holy Spirit. I argue and says, God, she's a pastor. I'm just a member of a church. She should make the first move, not me. She should know the word of God better than me and make the action and take the action to come and say sorry to me. Why should I say sorry? But during that, you know, the moment was I was still arguing, you know, she, I, suddenly I saw her leaving the church and, you know, and uh, opening the door. And I thought, wow, that saved my day and saved my pride to go to her. But the Holy Spirit was persistent and says, go after her. You know, and it was so, so difficult. I went, I went or obeyed, I went, and I caught her as she was going down the flight of stairs, and I asked her to forgive me for the grudge that I have against her. You know, and she accepted it, and she, and she says, I forgive you. You know, and that three words is so powerful. The three words bring healing into my soul, into my mind, into my spirit. And when I went back to the prayer meeting, you know, there was something that's lifted up from me. The weight of sins, the weight of grudges has lifted up from me. And I was able to praise God. I was able to sing. I was able to worship God. And I just found the approval of God just came upon me. And I, you know, was able to live by this word that says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 to 24, if you are offering your give at the altar, your praise offering, your worship offering to the Lord, and remember, and then you remember that there's something against a brother or a sister, go and settle it and then come back to worship me. And that is the words that I got in. And I was set free. And then, you know, sometimes offenses and grudges, it thought it, it is good at one, uh, you know, at it's also good in one way because it helps us to reflect how our character, our behavior, and it also strengthens us to know the Word of God, to apply the Word of God into our life, and then what happens? You know, the Word becomes alive in us, and we are able to see the enemy's tactics and strategies against us, and we are not spiritually blind, but we are awakened in our eyes. You know, there was another incident that a lady came for our healing services and she was complaining about having headache and severe headache. We can see in the face that she was in pain. And she asked for prayer. You know, when we were praying for her, one of our team members saw there were two demons grabbing on her head and, and another one was, you know, pulling her hair. And that's why she was in you know, in tremendous pain. And when we minister to her, we ask her, is there anything that you could not let go, especially is there unforgiveness in your heart? She began to cry and weep, and she began to tell us about, you know, the person that hurt her, and she's it's become bitter, and become so bad that a stronghold, you know, came upon her, and what happened is, you know, she can see many doctors, but it can never be healed. And what happened? As we ministered to her, you know, she was able, you know, she was able 
to let go. She repented. She renounced. And at that moment when she did that, the pain was gone. She was released and she was delivered. That is the power. Yeah, that is the power when we come to God and come into Him in humility and say, no more, no more, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get right with God instead. And when you do that, that is the miracle that you're going to see that you're going to live life victoriously. <clears throat> Amen? You know, there's power in forgiveness to pull down stronghold in your life. And the Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, it says, they remind us, you, can, you know, sometimes we do get angry, but it says, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on the wrath, nor give place to the evil. Settle every offense or hurts quickly. Do not allow it to linger on unattended. Let's do that. If any one of us are in this situation, you want a breakthrough, you seek breakthrough, the Lord says, as you have forgiven those who sinned against you, the Lord says, I have, I'm, I'm ready to forgive you. Would you do that? How do you overcome the enemy's statics of spiritual blindness? Number one, you have to believe in Jesus. John 14 verse 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to me but through, yeah, to Jesus. <clears throat> Walk in the light. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 and 6, it says that I am the light and in Him there is no darkness. And we say that we have fellowship with the light. How can we live, continue to live in darkness? We are living the light. There is no truth. And walk in the Spirit in Romans chapter 5, yeah, uh, verse, uh, verse 6 rather, verse 6, it says that, you know, when we live according to the Spirit, we will set our minds on the Spirit that will bring life and peace into our life. That this is how we can overcome the enemy of spiritual blindness. <clears throat> Secondly, the tactics of the enemy is spiritual deception. You know, from verse 24 to 28, he says, the crowd was very impressed by the miracles Jesus did, by the healing of the blind, the mute, and the demon oppressed, and that was set free. Now, this was an extraordinary miracle in the times, and it's still today, and the healing power that they had ever seen before. So the crowd started questioning, is this the son of David, or is he an accomplice of Satan, where the Pharisees are accusing him of. Now, the Pharisees cannot deny the fact that this man who was blind, who was mute, who was demon-oppressed, now is set free. He cannot deny the fact. But instead of giving praise to God, they, you know, what did they do? They accused Jesus of collaborating with the devil in, you know, in uh, giving freedom uh, and, and healing to this person, and also to deceive the crowd from leaning on to the Lord Jesus' side, but to the enemy's side. And what happened? You know, when Jesus began, that is where Jesus began to explain about the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. Yeah? And it's so clear that the Lord explained what does it mean to have the kingdom of Darkness or the kingdom of God. Now, in the kingdom of darkness, the enemy will come to cast temptation, lies, deception. In the kingdom of God, Jesus gives us truth 
that will set us free. Enemy come to imprison, blind, and oppress. But Jesus gives freedom, sight, and release for the oppressed. The enemy come to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus come to give us life, and life abundantly. The enemies draw man to hell, but Jesus came to draw man to heaven. This is the two charts that you can see that Jesus explained what does it mean to have the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. So when the Pharisees accused Jesus of using the power of Beelzebub, what is Beelzebub? Now, Beelzebub is also known as the prince of demons that's written in your word. And, uh, you know, in those days, the archaeologists found that the statue of Beelzebub is, a, is like a fly. And that's why he is called the Lord of Flies, also known as the Lord of Flies. And therefore, the Pharisees mockingly, you know, uh, mock at this uh, pagan worship, uh, uh, worshippers and says that Beelzebub is a lord of rubbish, Lord of dung. Why did they say that? Because when there are rubbish, you'll see flies gathering, isn't it? It starts with one, and then you know how, where they came from and started a swarm of flies will come and gather around. In the same way, when we have sin, when we you know, have strongholds of sin, what happened? The demonic power will come. It will attract the demonic power into the area of sin and they want to form a stronghold to incapacitate, incapacitate you or to imprison you. So that is the power of the uh, enemy. And in, you know, I just want to give you an illustration, a story about this girl that was, uh, you know, by the name of Maria. You know, she was, uh, during the secondary school days, she got involved into this mind control power spirits. And she, you know, was entering so well, and, it, and also the spirit was assisting her to do well in her studies. In fact, she was one of the Murej Chemelang in her kampong. And when she uh, was due, you know, to go to university level, she got a placement in University Malaya. And it was the pride of the whole kampong that she was the first to go into university. Now, what happened when she was in university? You know, the causes became more difficult, more challenging. And, uh, you know, the power of, of memory, uh, uh, you know, that she has is not good enough. So she wanted something stronger that to help her in her university studies. And she went to do a research and she found the book on ESP, Extrasensory Perception or Power. And she began to read and, and study about it. And in the book, they found a page of this picture of the master of ESP. She tore it and stole it, went home, and she, you know, seek, the, seek that, uh, you know, that, that photo, the master's uh, blessings that she can receive, the ESP power that, that she can do well in the university studies. But she did not know that that was a wrong decision. As she asked for it, the spirit came upon her as Quickly as the spirit came upon her, it began, you know, to see many other spirits in the house. She began to hear voices day in and out. 
She began to go into you know, having daily nightmares in, in, in the sleep. And slowly, you know, the, the spirits will come and disturb her. Slowly, you know, even demonic spirits come and rape her. And, uh, and she was uh, in, the, in, the, in the state of uh, uh, distress and went into mental breakdown, into depression. And it was so bad that the university had to call for her parents to take her home. Now, to cut the story short, that we thank God that she came to know Jesus, and Jesus set her free, and she was totally set free. But, you know, and after about a year, she was able to resume her studies in university again. Let's give God praise, you know, for this. That we, you know, the story, what does it tell us? That don't play with the devil. Don't play with them. Because they don't play fair. You think that you are able to control. You think that they are there to help you. But you do not know. They are there to, to destroy you. You can see the deception of the enemy here. By giving her a short term of success in the secondary school days, we, over the indulgence by the spirit of mind control. And later years, you can see that she was possessed by a stronger spirit, and the stronger spirit brought in other demonic spirit to overwhelm her. And what happened? Yeah, she was, you know, was totally, she was totally out of sync, and she was you know, she can't understand, she can't even know, recognize people around her at those days. Now, you know, the, what, when the enemy is attracted one by one, you know, the enemy is using yeah, this law that's called the law of attraction. So you can start from anywhere of these areas of your indulgence. Yeah, it's the spirit of mental memory power for this lady, she started with that, and it progressed to ESP, she hear voices, see spirits, traumatized by spirit, raped by spirit, went into depression, mental disorder, and suicide tendency. That is the act of the enemy. It's real. It is true that the enemy is real. Now, you can be also, you know, under deception of other things, like pornography, you know, it, it, in the same way, wherever you start, you find that when you are involved in this, what will happen? you find that all these other, you know, demonic spirit, you will, will be attracted to you and it will cause you to be destroyed in the days to come. So don't play with the fire, yeah? And uh, let us come and draw near to God. So how do you overcome the spirit, uh, spiritual deception? How do you overcome it? Yeah, the spiritual deception. Number one, hold on to the truth. The Bible says, in John chapter 8, verse 32, know the truth and the truth will set you free. Therefore, we have to hold on. The truth, when you have the truth, you are able to give you a wise decision. You're able to be on the alert. Warning signs will be given to you by the Holy Spirit to know whether this is of God or this is not of God. And when, you know, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says, for yourself, for yourself, not someone else first, just look at yourself. Concentrate on winning God's approval, on being a workman with nothing to be ashamed of. And who knows, and who knows how to use the word of truth to the best advantage. When you have the word, the truth, 
And when you use it to the best of advantage, the enemy can never deceive you. Amen? Secondly, you know, we need to fast and pray. Jesus says in Matthew 17, verse 21, but, but this kind does not go out except by prayer or fasting. Certain strongholds are so strong that you find it difficult to, to overcome it. And you need to fast and pray and to get it out. So, you know, we are in these 40 days of fasting and praying that we know that 11 days has passed and you will still have you know, almost a month to go with us. You know, just come in. If you are not uh, decided to join the fasting and prayer, just come. You know, take this moment, just this time, a period of time of being solemn, being silent with God and going through a time of refreshing. And to some of us, maybe re rehabilitate our soul, our spirit before God. And you may find that there is no passion, no, no, no hunger or thirst to do that. You know, that there's no fire. Make an intentional effort. We have every day, Tuesday to Friday or Saturday morning, we have prayer meeting here that's going on. Come in and just soak into the presence of God. And I believe as you make an intentional effort, what will happen? You know, you're slowly by slowly, that love for God, that passion of God will rise in you. So wake up, church. Wake up from the slumber. You know, wake up. Let and rise that dead spirit that's in us so that we can come before God and we can walk in the victory of the Lord that He has prepared for us. Amen? So the what are the tactics of the enemy? The three tactics. Let's read together. Number one, spiritual blindness. Number two, spiritual deception. And the third one, spiritual strongholds. Now in verse 29, it says, Satan is a strong man who is guarding his possession. Satan is in charge of the place until he is defeated by a stronger one, a stronger man. So when Jesus entered the house under the evil influence, he was said, free those who are imprisoned by Satan. You see, I've, I've done more than 100 uh, home cleansing, uh, many times of idol remover. But I had my first, you know, it has to start with my first time. You know, my first time. It's not that, wow, I just come and do a yeah, hundred world times right now. But my first time. It was my new, my new home when I first got married. You know, I asked the church pastor to come and the leaders and my friends all to come and we have a home blessing. And I thought that is enough. That is good enough because we bless a home. And uh, we sing wonderful songs and, 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 and quoted wonderful scriptures to encourage us. And what happened? After they're gone, and I, when I stay in the home, I have frequent nightmare in my sleep. Sometimes I felt there's, there's something that, you know, was upon my chest. And uh, in the dream, I was cornered here and there. And when, uh, you know, I woke up from the, from the dreams, I was, I was seeing an evil force or image of the evil force you know, right, in, right at the, my, my door. And uh, there was strife in the home. And uh, I know something is not right. So I went to look for the pastor who is, uh, you know, who is very experienced in uh, deliverance. So I asked her about my condition. And she told me, there is a strong man in your house. So my theology at the time was, how could that be? I've already invited Jesus into the home, you know. And uh, we have blessed the home. But she told me, 
In verse 29, if the, the strong man is in your house and he has came and reside earlier than you, yeah? And she's, he's there and unless you ask, you know, to remove them, resist and ask them to go, he will still be there and cohabiting, you know, when even you ask Jesus to come, there's a cohabitation in the house. So after hearing from her, I was determined to do it and I went home. I went home and I began to cleanse the home. I took the anointing oil and anointed the house. And in the name of Jesus, uh, all evil spirit leave my house in Jesus' name. As I do that, from the front door to the kitchen and to, the, you know, to all the places, the ground floor, and I can sense that the evil presence was increasing, increasing. And when, when I was about to go up to upstairs to the rooms, suddenly I sensed the evil spirit was right at my nose before I took the first step on the stairs. And he was breathing. <sighs> wow, I was you know, frozen stiff there. I do not know what to do. If I were to run away, he will come after me. I will, you know, I will concede defeat. If I were to move one step forward, I would knock at this uh, spirit and I do not know we will have a wrestling or so forth. You know? So I do not know what to do. I stood frozen there. And I prayed, I asked the Lord, Lord, help me, God. What should I do next? You know, we always say the word, uh, you know, we, we quote Psalm 23, we quote uh, Matthew chapter 28, that the Lord will be with us, you know, to the ends of the earth, you know. At that very moment, that word that we believe or that we have read comes alive. And I felt a affirming hands on my shoulder. And it says, move forward. Move forward. But in my mind, you know, it takes great faith to move forward because, you know, I move forward, what I'm going to do? I'm going to knock the, the fella right in front of me. So it was a slow motion, slow motion. And I put my step, my feet on the first step. And when I did that, oh, suddenly I felt that it was retreating from me. And I did the second step because the confidence was there and it retreated further. And I went to the rooms, and when I finished all the rooms and cleansed all the rooms, suddenly, you know, there was a pop sound, and the spirit just left. And no more nightmares, no more oppression, yeah? No more strife, hallelujah. And the Word of God becomes powerful, and I became to be able, you know, that encounter changes my life, that God is real, God is good, the enemy is real, the enemy wants to destroy us, disturb us, and mess, our life, mess up our life, but God is always there for us to bring us alignment to the right cause of life. That is the God that you and I believe. Amen? You know, from that, it leads me you know, to greater faith. I was able to do you know, idol removal. So I went. You know, in the course of idol removal, especially there's one home that asked me to go. And, uh, and when I went there, I asked them, who is staying there? He says, nobody. So I say, why nobody stays there? He said, because they're afraid. They have been stationed there and they're afraid to stay there. And that's why he asked us to come. There were idols in the home. There were other things in the home. And we went there. So when I was walking there, you know, the Holy Spirit asked me, to move forward, let the person, let the house owner in the middle and the rest of our team surround them. And when we did the opening of the door, we did, you know, when we open the door, we are the one that move forward. And when we, do that, when we did that, 
there was such a strong heaviness and oppression in that particular house. It was so strong. And all that I planned to do, you know, I have to change, you know, under the, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, all we did was we sing worship to the Lord, song of praise to the Lord, you know, and bringing down the glory of the Lord into the house. And as we lead them into repentance, we lead them into the sinner's prayers again. You know, what happened as we move and, and, and remove everything? That was a freedom. That was a deliverance. That was a change in the whole atmosphere. The house was looking dim and looking hopeless and looking that, uh, you know, nobody would want to live in the house, suddenly it was lifted up. Suddenly it was set free and they can move in and live happily in the house again. So while I'm sharing it, it's not just about the story. It is about the authority that Jesus has given to us. You know, the authority that Jesus says in Luke chapter 10 verse 19, that all the authority that's given to you. Now, all the authority is given not to the pastors, not only to the leaders, but to you, yeah, to you, you and I, tell your neighbor, all the authority is given to you. Amen. You have the authority. And what, you know, the word, you know the word, but the word will remain the word unless you apply the word. You know, you do not know that you have authority unless you apply the word and the authority will come upon you and then when you exercise it, that word becomes a truth and that authority that you have as you exercise it is powerful and it works. And God is faithful to these words upon you that when you move on, the counter is, is going to be different. It's going to change your whole belief system that the God that you know is not just a God of theory, but a God that you know and experience that is true, He's real, and this encounter will change your whole lifespan on earth. That wherever you are, maybe you say, I do not know the theology of the Bible so well, but you know something? This God that I, that I worship is real. I encounter Him. I experience Him. And no one can take away that experience. No one can take that knowledge. You can be smarter than me. You can, you know, and, and the debate and say that God is not real. But I know God is real. I experience God is the truth. Amen? And this is... The legacy that God wants everyone to have. And this is what the Lord prepared for us to be in authority. So my friends, exercise the authority that you have. Do not fear anymore because you are under the power of the love of God who says perfect love casts out all fears. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So how do we overcome the how do you overcome the the tactics of spiritual stronghold? Number one, you must know that there is a, you have a stronger man. You have Jesus, and Jesus is a stronger man, and he can defeat the enemy. Number two, you have the spiritual authority. In Luke chapter ten, verse nineteen, it says, "All authority is given to you to cast out." Yeah, to trample, in fact, to trample on all the, de- all the demonic forces under the feet. And nothing, you know, he says at the last sentence there, nothing will harm you. Yeah. Many of us fear because we thought something will harm us when we do that. 
But the Word of God says, nothing will harm you. Yeah, the fact I can stand here after hundreds of times, you know, it's not by my physical power, it's not by how good I am, it's by the spiritual power that God, that I take on as authority of Jesus Christ and I believe in that authority. When I applied it, that's where, you know, it wins. God wins and it works. Amen. And I, you must stand firm. You know, you must stand firm. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 11, yeah, and it, it says that, you know, that uh, be, be strong in the Lord. Yeah, be strong in the Lord. Let, let me get the verse right, yeah? Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Wow. Not some of the strategies, but as you stand firm, as you know that you have a stronger man with you and you know that you can exercise authority, what happened? You can defeat all the strategies of the enemy. Amen. Now, in summary, what are the three tactics of Satan and how do you overcome them? Number one, let's read it together. Number one, spiritual blindness. Overcome them by believing Jesus. Walk in the light. Walk in the spirit. Secondly, spiritual deception. Hold on to the truth. Fast and pray. Spiritually stronghold. Stronger man. Spiritual authority. And you must stand firm in the Lord. Amen. In conclusion, let's read this, you know, this verse again. Yeah, let's read this verse again. That in, in the message version, let's read it together. Together, amen. One to go. This is war and there is no neutral ground. If you are not on my side, you are the enemy. You are not helping. You are making things worse. Well, folks, as much has been said, you must know that we are in the spiritual war. The kingdom of darkness is real, as I have given you example and testament of it. And Satan is fighting hard against God's plan. That is you. You are treasured. You are the blue-eyed girl or blue-eyed boy of God. But Satan is trying to pull you away. If you are not a believer, to put you away in spiritual blindness that you cannot see God. If you are a Christian, wants to put away your faith that you are incapacitated to grow in the Lord. There is no neutral ground, my friends. You cannot sit on the fence. It says that the king, that uh, either you believe in Jesus, align to him, or you are on the devil's, devil's side going down with him into destruction. You have to make a choice. You have to make a decision on what action you need to take next. Are you on God's side? Do you want to be on God's side? Or just come, you know, to church every weekend and just be satisfied by that godliness, the form of godliness without realizing or denying the power that is in that. That is no neutral ground, my friends. So therefore, my encouragement to all of us is, we must make a stand for Jesus. We cannot be a victim to spiritual blindness, to spiritual deception and spiritual strongholds. For we do not need to fear against all these, all these 
the tactics of the enemy, for Jesus has already won the victory for us. And all we need to do is come to this sign, stand firm on the victory ground that God has paved the way for us. Let's take this moment as we let's reflect on the Word of God as a worship team is here to just, you know, to minister to us in this song. You are always fighting for Heaven's angels all around My delight is found in knowing That you wear the victor's crown You're my help and my defender You're my savior and my friend I'm a grace to live and breathe to worship you at the mention of your grace, in your name I will bow down. In your presence, fear is silent, for you wear the victor's crown. Let your glory fill this temple, let your power overflow. Are your grace to live and breathe and worship you? My friends, Today, if you are here and you have not known this Jesus that I'm talking about, the message has gone out very clear. Jesus has stayed his ground on why we need to have him. And you can't be sitting on the fence, for there is no neutral ground. And there is an enemy at work. And God wants you to experience him. God wants you to know Him and accept Him. And it requires faith to do that. It's not about what you can do. It's just about just an act of faith to say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. I want to believe in you. And Jesus wants to make sure that none of us here will miss the message. We have heard the message and will miss that heart of God to come into this kingdom. You have to decide whether you want to be on Jesus' side or on the enemy's side today. And even as you're hurting, if you want to say, you want to be on the Lord's side, if you're not a believer, you have not known Jesus, you have never accepted Jesus as a Lord and Savior, you're coming in the church maybe many times right now. But today is a divine appointment that God wants to speak to you. you. Can you just raise your hand and say, by faith, and say, Jesus, I want to be on your side. Jesus, I want to accept you so that I will not be in the darkness anymore, that I can have the light of God. Anyone want to give your life to Jesus? You know, for those of us who are Christians, we may be struggling with spiritual blindness, spiritual deception, and spiritual stronghold in your life, and you wanted a breakthrough. You're just saying that enough is enough of those areas of temptation of, that's holding you. And today, I want to encourage you, God does not only speak, but is here to deliver. It is here to minister you to be free from any stronghold in your life. 
and Jesus is always ready. He has paved the way and is always ready to bring down any strongholds that we face. All we need to do is respond to you. As a worship team, sing the song again. You know, let's arise. And the altar is open. And we want, yeah, you're not here. As you come, as the song has been sung, just walk to the altar, just come to the front. And our leaders or our you know, team will be here ready to minister to you that you can find your breakthrough in the Lord today. Amen. Praise to Jesus. Church, let's just sing it out again. You're always fighting. You are always fighting for us. Heaven's angels all around. My delight is found in knowing that you wear the victor's crown. You're my help and my defender. You're my savior and my friend. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. And the mention, and the mention of your grace. In your name I will bow down. In your presence fear is silent. For you wear the victor's crown. Let your glory fill this temple. Let your power overflow. By your grace I live and breathe to worship you. No, I sense my spirit. If there is warfare in your hope, in your work, you sense it. Sicknesses, unexplained sicknesses, something that in spite of the fact you are a Christian, but there is a blockage in your work, in your business, and everything you do, there seems to be a leakage. It doesn't pass through. There's no breakthrough, understand? Relationships at the home are fractured. Sicknesses come unexplained. But you're a Christian. Break it. Break it. But you say, I'm a Christian, yes. But when you come before God and bring in the strong man, the strong man overpowers it and your home is cleansed. Your entire life is settled. That's why the prayer and fasting is very important. Because intentionally, you come before. But what I don't believe in, the fact that I'm a Christian, I should, yes, you can become a Christian, you can have Jesus in your life, but that doesn't mean that you live a victorious Christian life, you know. Being saved is very different from living a victorious Christian life. And the Lord does not only want you to be saved, He wants you to live a life of victory every day. Very different. Many of you live defeated lives, my friend. Your name is written in the book of life, but you live defeated lives today. You break it. So we're going to sing this song again, and you know it. You know there are areas in your life that are not right with God. You know there are things in your family that is happening beyond your understanding. There are things in your workplace. There's no breakthrough. Today, even if you surrender it to Jesus, the strong man will come and you will be transformed. Amen? Altar is open. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it, it doesn't make God less God. 
understand it is real believe me he has done over a hundred cases I've seen so many cases in my entire ministry believe me my friend God wants good for you let's sing this song as the altar is open Oh Raman, sing it once again. Shall we do that? Oh Ramanda Kata da 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 da. The altar is open for ministry. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Upon the word of God that has been delivered, you will be released and set free, my friend. Because greater is He that is in us than He that is in the world. And if God is for you, nothing can be against you. But you have to invite, bring in the strong man to overcome whatever has been there that you have invited in before. Not, don't blame anyone. Uh. You have invited them in and they stay. You have to cast it out. Hallelujah. Jesus, you have overcome the world. Hallelujah. Make sure everybody is ministered to. You are standing at the aisle where to be ministered to. Please come forward. Ushers, can you help me? Make sure that everybody can you look in, 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 in look in the aisle. Somebody's coming. You are to come forward. Come on. Today, we're going to break bondages. Today, we're going to enforce the victory of Jesus Christ at the cross. Today is a day of victory in your home, in your family. Enough is enough of devastation. Enough is enough of damage. Amen. Today, we're going to claim back, claim back the victory. Every stronghold shall be broken You wear the victor's crown You have overcome You have overcome Every hiding must come down Every stronghold shall be broken You wear the victor's crown You have overcome You have overcome Every hiding must come down Break it! Break it! Every stronghold 
Lord Church. Worship the Lord Jesus. You have worship him. overcome. Worship him. Exalt him. Hallelujah. closing comments and closes in prayer will you just stay where you are turn the place where you are standing into an altar and believe believe that what we share from the word of God is real and it is relevant it is not fantasy that's what the devil wants to deceive you it is not I don't want you to be hyper-spiritual, to be spooky. It's nothing to do with that. But don't underestimate the power of the evil one. The good news is, you come under the power of the finished work of Jesus Christ. You will win. You will be delivered. You will have your breakthrough. Understand? So you spend a moment of quietness before God. Will you do that? For your family, for your children, for your work, for your future. I'm going to give you a few minutes to do that. Will you do that? Before we close. There's an awesome presence of God in the house, you know, every week. You tap into it. An appropriate that victory for your life. Just raise our hands to the Lord and receive the blessings and anointing of God. You know, I want you to leave this place not just another Sunday, not just another word, but as a word of God, it's a fresh manner into the soul and spirit. And the word of God has debunked on the truth that is evil forces and the forces of God at play in our lives. You know, the steps that's mentioned to you how to overcome it. When you move out from this place, move on, apply the Word of God, 
and you're able to see a new change in your life, that is the desire of the Lord's heart. And I want you, as you go out from here, as, as I pray for the anointing of God to come before you, that you will continue to sustain that anointing and to apply, to know the word, apply the word, and the truth will set you free and give you freedom in the lives that you are journeying and will give you the family, not only you, your family, your workplace, and every of your endeavor. God is interested to make it fruitful. Father, you see every hand that's raised to you. Lord, these are hands that are saying, I want to be on the Lord's side. Thank you, God, for revealing to us that you are good and your desire is to see us successful in our life in you. That these blessings and fruitfulness will not only be for me, but it will be for my household, for my generation, my children, my grandchildren, God that I, O oh Lord, the anointing I receive right now, I will be able to impart, influence, impact of God, the younger generations that we as a household together to serve you. So I, Lord, I release this blessing into every heart here. That the love of the Father will be upon you. That the wonderful grace of the Lord Jesus Christ will always be found in every step of your life. And the wonderful fellowship of the Holy Spirit that you will draw, you will depend daily, that will be your guide. Until we come back again to bring good news, testimony, hallelujah, that will sound the victory voice unto the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Whoa.